Today is uh, Saturday, August 29th, 2021. Today we're going to talk about um, practicing group economics. I'm going to uh, read from uh, Dr. Claude Anderson's book called Poweronomics, Chapter 5. I don't own the rights to this um, content or material, and this is strictly for informational and learning purposes. But without further ado, let's get to the agenda here. Um, practicing uh, group em- group economics. And why is this so important in the African-American community? Well, the black race enriched, enriched every group on earth. Now it must enrich itself. Just three months into the 21st century, Two of the nation's most respected sources of economic information laid out the case for black America to build its alternative economy and begin practicing group economics. On March 14, 2000, the Wall Street Journal ran a two page story on wealth building in America from the Civil War to present time. The article detailed the history of boom and bust cycles in the U.S. economy and concluded that the nation is in the midst of the longest period of economic prosperity and expansion in its history. The current boom period began in the early 1990s, but the journal article revealed that whatever this nation was in a boom or burst period, black Americans, unlike any other population group, remained in economic depression. A week after the Wall Street Journal story, another unexpected source pointed out the economic inequalities in our society. In a speech to the annual conference of the National Committee Reinvestment Coalition in Washington, D.C., Alan Greenspan, chairman of the Board of Federal Reserve, discussed the economic challenges of eradicating the income and wealth disparities in in the society. Greenspan went beyond reporting on the national economy and sounded an alarm to the nation that holds particular concern for black Americans. He said that despite white America's economic good times, wealth disparities between groups are widening. He said, I have no illusions that the task of breaking down barriers that produce disparities in income and wealth will be simple, but he warned that this task remains an important goal because societies cannot thrive if significant segments perceive their functioning as unjust. Our national leadership, both black and white, remains silent to the Greenspan's remark and the Wall Street Journal article. For whatever reason, they avoid the reality that after 400 years, black Americans are still outside the nation's mainstream economy. Time is running out for black Americans to resolve the wealth inequality. If we cannot enter the channel of wealth in the mainstream, we must do the next best thing. Take advantage of the fact that we are outside the mainstream economy and construct a parallel alternative economy within our own black communities where wealth can be gained. This can mean very, this can mean uh, many different things. I, uh, I'm a strong believer in embracing and um, 
alternative uh, or decentralized finance, which is, uh, you know, dealing with the crypto market, where I believe that we should, you know, educate, inform and empower ourselves more on the blockchain technology and, you know, come up with our own uh, decentralized uh, currency, just like we've done, you know, with our uh, with our own businesses here. But where does wealth come from? Since black America primary problem is a lack of wealth, then a primary part of the solution must be for blacks to gain wealth. We must learn alternative ways wealth is created and how to capitalize on human needs and desire to gain wealth. But we must remember that all roads do not lead to wealth. There are two basic methods to achieve wealth. First, it can be created or acquired through redistribution. It is very difficult to earn wealth or to acquire it by working a job. A job is designed to maintain a worker from payday to payday and to keep workers one week away from the welfare or unemployment line. But what is wealth? In earlier chapters, we learned that wealth is the fruit of any labor that is stored and used to satisfy human desire and needs. Wealth can be acquired through inheritance, reparations, or profit from someone else's labor. The less a worker is paid for labor, the more wealth the owner of the business or land gains. Of the available options, increased business ownership and reparations are the best means for blacks to gain wealth. Businesses can redistribute wealth six to eight times faster than employment. Black Americans are just beginning to seriously seek reparations as a means to gain wealth even though nearly 97% of the major societies oppose the transfer of any form of wealth to black people. Eventually, the major majority society will be forced by the powers of the fact to award reparations to black Americans. However, until white societies decide to grant reparations, blacks must choose from the remaining options and begin creating their own wealth. It will require their best effort but it can be done. Much of the wealth that we need is right before our eyes. If we aggregate, we can see it. If we work together, we can acquire it or create it. We are simply blind to our own wealth potential. The words of a white child talking to his black friend sums up the essence of the hidden wealth potential of the race. The child said, I wish I can buy you for what you think you are worth and sell you for what I think you are worth. I can make a fortune. Throughout history, nearly everyone except black people has seen wealth in the race. Black people have responded by enriching every other group but themselves. It is now time for black people to create wealth for themselves. The secrets to creating wealth is to own and control resources, whether they are natural land, water, precious minerals, and metal, processed machinery, factories, consumer, item, consumer items, public improvements, or human capital, skills, literate labor force. There is no wealth potential in public housing, food stamps, petty crime, drug use, or teenage pregnancy. There is no wealth potential in a job. It is the owner and producers of the job who have the wealth potential. We need activities and mechanisms that produce wealth for black people 
and their communities. When a group or community begins to acquire resources and manage them for the economic benefit of the group, they have created an economy, a mechanism to produce income, wealth, jobs, and business opportunities. It is important that we understand this concept of an economy. John Kenneth Galbraith, in his book, Almost Everyone's Guide to Economics, stressed the importance of an economy to any population group. Galbraith points out that those people who do not understand or pretend that they do not know how an economy is built and operates automatically surrender all wealth-building power to those who do understand. Groups with their own economies make wealth, producing decisions in their own best interests. The world is a competitive place, and there are few, if any, incentives for other groups to intentionally make decisions in the best interests of black Americans. Upon what philosophical base should black Americans build an economy within their own communities? Blacks should use the same philosophical base that the majority society and its ethnic subgroups use a cultural or of competition that operates in its own best interests. Those in America's melting pot build their respective economies around their needs, their cultures, their togetherness, and their nation's nationalistic goals. Now, black Americans must build a viable economy to accomplish black America's goals of producing wealth as it means to be competitive and self-sufficient. Let's look at a story that demonstrates how an economy and wealth are created. Brian Westbury, in his book, The New Era of Wealth, tells about an imaginary island where 10 villagers earned their living by fishing. Each of the villagers caught two fish each day. The daily gross domestic product of the island was 20 fish, just enough to supply sufficient food for their meals. Clearly, the village could not progress because they only produced enough to survive. In this respect, they were similar to most black Americans who had worked jobs or lived off subsidies and various forms of assistance. Westbury explained how the two fishermen in his story fostered an economy by changing their perspective and started to see, think, and behave outside of the box. They risked starvation by taking time out from fishing to build a boat and make fishing nets. With their boat and newly designed nets, these two fishermen could then catch 20 fish in a day between them. Now, two people could produce what is used to take 10 people to do. They now had a fishing industry and can feed everybody on the island. The other eight villagers then had a choice. They can continue to catch two fish a day to live on it, to live on and enjoy life, or they could diversify. A few could build businesses that related to the fishing industry, perhaps opening a boat or net repair shop. Others could raise and sell fruits and vegetables or start a bakery. Still, others could begin to make sandals and clothing to sell or trade with the two villagers who built and owned the boat and nets. This is how an economy is born and industries follow. Members of the community take calculated risks and begin to build businesses and provide goods and services to members of their groups. Later in this chapter, in subsequent chapters, we will suggest 
ways that black Americans can be like these island villagers build an alternative economy. Without effective and healthy economies, it is impossible for black people anywhere in the world to compete in producing wealth. The world's total wealth is estimated at $390 trillion. However, black people who make up nearly one-fifth of the world's population own less than 1% of the wealth. In the United States, the wealth has been mal-distributed among a ranking order of skin, color, and social acceptance. The wealth disparity between blacks and whites is so great that two whites together, Bill Gates, $63 billion, and Lauren Ellison, $50 billion, have a net worth that is greater than the collective net worth of the nation's 36 million black people. With black American households averaging an estimated $7.2 billion invested in Wall Street stocks and bonds, Gate and Ellison's collectively own 13 times more stocks and bonds than all 36 million black Americans. The wealth disparity between the races are even greater outside the United States. South Africa has 29 million black people, which makes up, which makes it a 99% black country. Yet the DeBurs Corporation, a white-owned company, owns and controls 50% of the black nation's total wealth. The remaining 50% of wealth belongs to nearly 2.5 million whites. The 29 million black South Africans are left with practically zero wealth in one of the most richly endowed countries on earth. The maldistribution, maldistributed wealth fixed Black people at the bottom of the world's wealth barrel. Wealth is the great determiner of opportunity. Without wealth, equal opportunity becomes only a dream. So today we talk about creating uh, wealth as well as communities and, um, you know, how what what is it going to take? I like the story about the fish, the fishermen's, you know, two people. <laughs> You know, just catching, you know, less than a dozen fish a day. And then or two fish a day, you know, and it takes 10 people to catch 20 when, you know, two people make a sacrifice and go and, you know, create a net and that, you know, pulls in 20 fish, you know, the same amount of numbers that it took, you know, 10 people to do, you know, now they're able to create, you know, an industry. You know, I think that we need to re-examine, you know, our thinking, our philosophy, our culture, as well as, you know, how we spend in our dollars and, you know, get on board, you know, decentralized uh, finance, which is crypto exchange, also investing into black owned businesses, you know, and, and stop looking at, you know, going out to eat, taking our money to McDonald's, Popeye's chicken. You know, we need to uh, circulate, you know, the dollar within the community and uh, support, you know, black businesses that are looking, that are trying and, uh, you know, striving, you know, to create, you know, black industries, uh, you know, and black economies so that, you know, they can circulate this wealth in the black community where, you know, we can, you know, get out of this, uh, you know, economic disparity. But, you know, without further ado, we will end uh, this session on this note. I take everyone that they should uh, take the time, you know, to buy the book Poweronomics. You know, national plan to empower Black America by uh, Dr. Claude Anderson. You know, highly respected man. He's been around in the game for a long time. 
uh, words of wisdom, food for thought, and as well as uh, able to uh, debunk, you know, this uh, education that, you know, that you learned that what you know now and what you would know after reading this book will open and expand your mind into new opportunities and horizons. Um, if you like what you're hearing, you know, continue to listen to, uh, you know, Metropolitan uh, Decentralized Exchange or Fresno uh, Private Investment Banking, uh, better known as a uh, Fresno Black Investment Group. You know, we are bringing you this uh, things that, you know, the untold truth and things that will uplift and support our black communities as well as our, uh, you know, our fallen soldiers. I'm your host, Marshawn Govan. Um, we'll go ahead and end this show with these words. God bless and uh, stay strong, stay encouraged, and stay focused. And remember, without uh, group economics and collective poweronomics, we will no longer we will not be able to uh, get out of the inequalities in uh, in in distribu- uh, mal maldistribution of wealth. <laughs>